I think the problem that we have is that there is little coordination at high levels of government regarding what executives that they're trying to do with this particular asset. That's the first problem. The second problem, I suppose, is that even if there was no, if there, even if there was coordination, it has become very clear that perhaps the understanding of accountability or accounting to parliament differs across ministers. And if one has to look at how Minister Gordon, for example, approaches the type of questions that get posed either through parliamentary processes or through the medium, he seems to believe that his accountability lies elsewhere, even though he is dealing with public funds. And that, of course, is a reflection on the one person who employs all of these ministers, who is the president of the country, and until he intervenes and gives us some direction or some clarity around exactly what is happening, we literally have to keep trying to put together, piece together the dots of white of what might or might not be happening without actually understanding exactly what this deal is about, where it is then, where it is currently, and what is to be done next. And the fact that you have a national treasury and it's distancing itself from it when it's clear that public funds are going to be involved in one form or another. Whether it's at the inception of the transaction or through future uh, bailout arrangements, you cannot exclude the National Treasury, and in this case, they clearly have been sidelined. So, when it comes to that accountability, we saw last week um, the Auditor General appearing before uh, SCOPA, and the Auditor General, Kaya, again made the point that even for that 49% share post this deal, which the Auditor General also indicated her office had not had sight of, they could not audit that 49% stake and what was spent because that deal hasn't been seen. Look, the, the issue here is that as far as the Auditor General is concerned, it's still a 100% conversation because until the deal is finalized, 100% of SAA actually belongs to the state. So the split between the 51 and the 49% is essentially going to form part of them trying to understand exactly how we move from the state having full ownership and what was disposed of and what were the terms and the conditions of that. So the fact that they haven't been able to access that information is problematic. But there also is the reality that even before this deal was put together, there was serious problems in accessing information relating to SAA. They couldn't get audited financial statements for a very long time. So a lot of it has got a long-term genesis, but I think once a minister put his hand up and says we found a solution, we found a private equity, uh, an equity partner to engage with, then that information becomes quite important. And I think the scary part is that you have to imagine, Sakina, that at some point in time, an entire cabinet of ministers with the president sitting there decided to approve that this goes ahead, whatever it is that they think it is. So the fact that no one seems to know what it is that they signed up for shows you the, the sense of paralysis that exists even at the highest level of government. So what we're sitting with right now is, of course, uh, now uh, uh, Treasury and um, the ministry, along with the Minister of Finance, also uh, coming together and saying to Scopa, no, all is well, essentially. Um, Minister Godan says this is um, a live transaction. It has not been finalized yet. And this is a de- uh, 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 just about a year after the deal was actually announced, Kaya. So... What should we make of all of this? Well, the problem is that when the deal was announced, it was made to look like it was the final step of a long-term process that had started with what we thought was a long list of potential bidders, and then the state had decided that having looked at different permutations and different um, you know, offers on the table, this is the one that they were preferring 
to go ahead with. So that is the impression that we're given in that the deal didn't start a year ago when we found out about it. The deal started long ago when they were trying to figure out what they wanted to do with this equity stake. Now, the fact that a year down the line, they still have no sense of clarity of what they're trying to do. The fact that they are now saying that it's a live transaction indicates that in spite of the minister's conviction that he can outsmart all processes and outsmart everybody who questions him, eventually the reality is going to come and bite him. And the fact here is that if you look at the merits of what was being proposed here, in that a private equity partner was going to step in and take a part of this particular airline, but there's a bigger question of whether they were responsible for the historical liabilities, that is not a conversation you can afford not to have. And the, the issue here is that until there was a clear um, a statement of intent from the state on saying, wait, if you want to take this over, you take everything footstools, or if you want to take a part of it, this is what we're going to retain. That seems to have been the, the basis of the great confusion here. And until there's a sense of clarity here, I imagine that given those that are trying to buy this airline, if they're applying proper business fundamentals, there's no way they're going to agree to inherit all historical liabilities if those liabilities were incurred long before that time. So anyone who could have told you a year ago that, look, the business fundamentals do not seem to make sense unless the state makes the major concessions would have told you that this was going to happen if, of course, the state didn't make those concessions. And the problem here is that the state has given us the impression that this is the end of SAA bailout when it's very clear that no deal can proceed unless we still have some form of exposure in the form of liabilities that were incurred before this transaction. So Finance Minister Inokodongwana then says um, the airline, I beg your pardon, Kaya and everybody, says the airline is a fiscal drain costing the South African taxpayers 49 billion rand in bailouts since 2007, which is, of course, significantly more than the 30-odd billion that we've been talking about. So... Looking at that, looking at what was said about the Takatsu Consortium that would uh, have to bring initially $3 billion to the table, well, let's talk about that fiscal drain and whether this is good value for money. Well, the conversation you and I had a year ago is that if South African citizens are given the option of an additional 3 billion rand in order to clear all forms of a historical financial chaos from SAA, I think they'd have taken the deal instead of them being told that, oh, even though you've spent over 40 billion rand on this particular airline, somebody's about to acquire it just for 3 billion rand and they are not liable for anything else. I think it was a bad deal to begin with for the citizens of South Africa. That's on the deal fund. The question has always been whether SAA could ever be managed profitably or could be managed properly under the guise or under the ownership of government. And the big problem here is that until the politicians were willing to get out of the boardroom, the answer was always going to be no. Even when this deal was put together, the question was, why would the state want to retain even a 49% stake? Because, again, the information they told us was that not only would they have a 49% stake, but they would also have this um, elevated sense of voting power, which would be a bit greater than their 49% stake, which meant that they wanted to stay, remain invested in the corporate affairs of SAA. And that is the genesis of the problem. And we do know, unfortunately, that the minister in charge is, is a minister who is not Adverse to area to, to interference, he did it at ESCOM when Palamani Hatib was there. He seems to be convinced that all these entities can only thrive and can only survive if he gets involved in one form or another. And that, as I said, is a reflection on the president who appoints him because clearly the evidence in front of us is that 
regardless of his skill set, regardless of his persuasion and, and his intentions, Minister Gordon is simply not doing a good job of managing this asset. And this one in particular is a big headache because we absolutely have no idea what it is that he, signed, that he has signed on our behalf to say we are liable for in the future. So final question, Kaya. What is the status of SAA at the moment? Does it still belong to um, the government of South Africa, 100%, or does Takatso own 51% of it? Well, if you have 51 rand, I can give it to you right now because that seems to be the going price. Look, the reality is that we absolutely have no idea, and it's not just us who have no idea. National Treasury has no idea. The Auditor General has no idea, and, and I suspect even the Cabinet members who gave the go-ahead for this particular transition to proceed have got absolutely no idea what is going on, because if there had been a change in ownership, it would be very clear for the Ministry of Public Enterprises to say that the deal has been finalized, this is the arrangement, and this is what it looks like going forward. The fact that the information is not being made available to us either means that the information doesn't exist, or, even more scary, it's the type of information that quite simply will not make sense to anyone except the Minister of Public Enterprises.